Tonight is Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. It's the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. It's week seven. We're going to check on those trends and have a few hot takes. Mm. Oh, that's effing good. That's the personal chain letter from Pollyanna. I know I have a different beer from you. Uh, what is the uh, what is the beer that we were drinking a little earlier? Uh, Doctor something or other. It's a black IPA. Doctor something or other. Catchy name. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and that's from uh, a local place here. Yes, from a place called um, Pollyanna Brewery. Oh, I thought you were going to say Leho Fuchs. Uh, that's where you get a good beef chow mein. That is. That is. Yeah. Uh, this is Doctor Pangloss. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay, so yeah, I am Jason, that is Dave. Uh, we've been introduced. Let's dive right in, shall we? Uh, last, uh, Not last week, but uh, back in week four, we talked about trends. We like to talk about trending players all the time. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, three weeks in a row of a up or down or whatever you want to look at is a trend. It's like what you like to say a lot. Uh, three weeks makes a trend. Just the facts, man. We're going to look at the players that we saw trending and what we thought was going to happen with them and then see how we did. So, first of all, I had Trevor Lawrence. He was trending up. Um, you know, he was doing well in the first three weeks. Uh, over 14 points each week, culminating in a 25-point performance. And then in week four, he played the undefeated Eagles um, and only scored six points. And then he only had 12 against Houston and rebounded again nicely against Indy. But what I would say is that um, his points in week six were buoyed by two rushing touchdowns, which is not an indication that he is actually being better at quarterback at the moment. Uh, so he is not doing as well as I had hyped. I am a little disappointed in that. But you know what? We're not right about everything. So the next two weeks for him are really tough matchups. I'm not optimistic of his outcome in those. I'm not going to play him as I have been in the last few weeks, uh, unless I have to, like in a two-quarterback league. Uh, but I have been starting him in single-quarterback leagues, and it's worked out uh, to a certain extent. But anyways, in weeks 9 and 10, he plays teams that are giving up the most and the third most fantasy points. I'll give him a start then. And we'll reevaluate after the bye week in week 11 for Trevor Lawrence. So um, his trend was up, and then he fell off a cliff, and he went, he's going back up again. Um, thoughts on Trevor at all? So so what you're saying, if you can if you can kind of wrap it up here in an actual summary, right, is that if you're playing in a redraft league, for example, then Trevor Lawrence is still someone that you would not recommend. And in fact, would probably drop for someone else that's more consistent because you don't want someone who's going to go up and down as your QB1. Yes, with bye weeks being in week 9 and 10, he'll be a great streaming option. And he should be available on the waiver wire by then because he'll have probably two more bad weeks and people will get sick of him and drop him. If you're in two quarterback leagues, you probably need to keep him keep him around and maybe even keep starting him but um for now in single quarterback leagues you're not gonna want to hold on to him so we're gonna call it a miss then yes that's a miss okay gotcha fair enough uh if i'm gonna talk about the the quarterback then if we're just gonna go back and forth for positions then we were talking about russell wilson of course the quarterback of denver newly anointed king of the denver broncos this year and uh and he finished the 2021 season as a 16th best fantasy quarterback a lot of us remember him as that guy who finished as QB5 back-to-back in 2019 and 2020. Now, that's kind of how I started talking about Russell in week four. And the whole concept there was that he's going to continue to underperform, although it's not completely his fault because of issues with the offensive scheme, 
uh, of the fact that they weren't trying to get out there and run the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. Let Russell operate as a as a scrambling option quarterback. Perhaps let him be a chef. Yeah, cook. Let Russ cook. If he could just cook, you know. Hmm. We'll see. <laughs> and that's what most of the people were talking about. Uh, here in week four, after um, after his trend, uh, which uh, was, was previously going down, um, he ended up scoring 26.98 points against Las Vegas. And uh, he had a good game. Uh, there's nothing I can really say about a three-touchdown performance from a quarterback. And Russell Wilson certainly has the ability to pull out those performances from time to time. But then we saw in week five versus Indianapolis, 11.16, and versus the Chargers, 13.82. Uh, so he did exceed those expectations in week four against the Raiders. But during that game, he also suffered a partially torn lat muscle in his throwing arm. And then after week six's loss to the Jaguars, he got an MRI for what was considered a fairly significant hamstring injury. Now, he's, he's practicing. He got better a little bit. You know, he's uh, not dead yet. He's not dead yet. And uh, we hope that he can make some kind of recovery along with the Broncos' offense in general. However, um, you know we're we're going to to look at him in Week Seven, showing up at home against the Jets. And and my question is, who's still starting Russell after the last two weeks of eleven and thirteen? If you're in a redraft league, um, you know you should have listened to what we said back in Week Four and gotten rid of him. Yes, you may have been upset about it in Week Four. Uh, but after that, after you saw the 11 and 13, I'm sure you're glad you started Geno Smith or who, whoever, um, <laughs> regardless of whether or not they were ranked lower than Russell. And keep in mind that the Jets uh, might seem like uh, is, a, is a good matchup for Russell and, and the Denver Broncos, but it's not. It's no longer a pushover, the New York Jets. Yeah, I was reading an article in Sports Illustrated Online just earlier today. They pointed out about the Nobody Jets. Nobody thought you had a magazine in your hand, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I do sometimes. I do sometimes, but not earlier today. Okay. Uh, the Jets' defense has held every quarterback not named Lamar Jackson or Joe Burrow to under 16 fantasy points. So playing Russell Wilson the way he's been playing, I would expect another performance that's between 10 and 14 points, which is just not something that you can put out there um, in good conscience. In fact, that's what I expect from the entire Broncos offense, 10 to 14 points. It's really just Cortland Sutton, and, and everyone else is is not worthy of starting. Yeah, they lost their best player in Javante Williams, and you know it's not like he was carrying the offense, but it would have certainly been at least another weapon for them to use, and they don't have a lot going on right now. Yeah, so so Russell, uh, we did peg him, uh, uh, not in the way that you're thinking, uh, but in the way that I'm thinking. Don't Google that. I'm, I'm just trying work. trying to be ambiguous here, uh, <laughs> um, and and so and so Russell was a non-starter, still is a non-starter, and he'll have a couple big weeks. But don't let those fool you into picking him up or keeping him on your team. All right, uh, on to running back. So, question. Oh would, yes. Would you, would you rather have this week uh, Russell Wilson or Trevor Lawrence? Hmm. So, Trevor has a really tough matchup this week. The Broncos. I don't know who they play. We just talked about it. Well, you know. The, the Jets, Sports Illustrated, Jets. Uh, keeping all quarterbacks not named Lamar Jackson or Joe Burrow under 16 fantasy points. I guess I would rather have Trevor Lawrence. I feel like he's got a higher ceiling still. Okay. He's He's been a 20-point player more than once this season. So if, if we look at the, uh, the current leaders, uh, for example, 
Right now, we have Trevor Lawrence, who overall is the QB 11 so far this year, and Russell Wilson, who's the QB 17. Clearly, Trevor Lawrence does have a higher ceiling uh, when we look at the Denver Broncos offense as opposed to the Jacksonville offense, and, and the fact that their offensive scheme over in Jacksonville is sometimes doing things that, uh, that are surprising and actually score points. Yeah, well, you know. Not, they, not depending on field goals. They're really good at garbage points. Field goals. <laughs> field goals. Field goals. <laughs> But they are one in, or no, they're two in four. Yeah. Bleh. So uh, let's talk about running backs and, and who was it that you were discussing back in week four? So back in week four, I brought up Damian Pierce, who had, was a rookie, still is a rookie, in fact. Um, he had gone from four to eight to 17 points, and I was really liking the way that uh, he was being used in the offense. And now what we saw in week four, 22.9. In week five, 18.8. Week six, he did have a bye, so he's kept up his hot start. Uh, he would be, in my opinion, the most talked about rookie if it wasn't for Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker the third. Are we just going to go with KDW, KW3? I'm calling him Ken, you know. Ken? But, uh, Ken Walker? KW3. I'm not prepared I, I, for that yet. I just don't need to throw the three on there all the time, <laughs> I guess. RG3 kind of took that? Sure. And, like, even on his player listing, there is no three. So, back to Pierce. He's caught nine passes in the last two games. He scored a touchdown in the last three games. 49 touches in the last two games. It's really what you want to see from any starting running back. If it's a rookie, that's even more rare. Perhaps uh, that is a bit less rare this season because we are seeing three really good rookie running backs this year. Uh, but I have a hot take on them in a little while. What I want to... Uh, no, from you is, do you think that Pierce can keep it up? I, I do think that he can keep it up. He has some really good matchups coming up this uh, for the rest of the way uh, over the next, I don't know, five to ten weeks um, where, like, he doesn't have to play, like, the best rushing defenses other than maybe one or two games with tough matchups. So uh, do you think he can keep up and be, like, a really good starting running back? Yeah, so so – I, I like him a lot, and I think what's interesting about about him is that he is somewhat dependent on uh, the way that the that the game is going for Houston. Uh, if Davis Mills ends up still being a serviceable quarterback, and a lot of people thought that he would be really good this year, he hasn't outperformed expectations. Certainly, a little bit of an underperforming uh, thing going on there. Sure, but if Davis Mills can continue to uh, pass the ball enough to Brandon Cooks and some of their other passing targets then that's going to allow enough breathing room for Pierce to really do well for the rest of the season. Um, and I know a lot of people in the Davis Mills camp and then a lot of other people that think that like he might end up faltering so much this year that they even end up going with somebody else at some point. So um, I, I think it does depend on the quarterback play because if there's nobody, nobody else in the offense getting looks, then, then the opposing defenses can just stack the box. And that's going to put an end to Damian Pierce's um, uh, production. Yeah, but so, uh, but so far it's 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 been great for him. Yeah, I was high on Pierce with his um, with his trend. I thought it would continue. I, I'm going to say it has, even though it went you know down just a bit. 18.8 is still a very nice start from a running back. So I'm going to say this one's a hit. It can never always continue to go up. Right. It wasn't Trevor Lawrence <laughs> scoring one, then two, then three touchdowns. He hasn't scored four, then five, then six. Unfortunately, got to be a pause in there somewhere. Okay, right? so you had. Oh, you're leading me in, right? I was uh, going to say who it was, and then I like lost it in the scroll. So we were talking about Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, running back, Kansas City, of course, who was uh, uh, was playing Tampa Bay back in Week Four, 
And what I had mentioned about him was that in week one, he started off really well with 20.9 points, then uh, went down to 13.8 in week two and 12.4 versus the Colts. Uh, only a couple of rushing attempts during those games, uh, seven, eight, and seven. And uh, he's been heavily involved in the passing game, but not a lot of rushes. Uh, when we look at how week four actually turned out, it was really great for him. Uh, 21.9. Uh, I, I think he scored two touchdowns. I don't have his stats directly in front of me right now. Um, so you can let me know if that was true or not. I, I, I've got some... I've got some placeholder text here. It says CEH is BLEH, which I think is sort of lame, but also really funny. Uh, so I had, <laughs> I just had to mention that to everybody. It's very strained, and uh, that's what I'm going for. Yeah, Edward Solaire had two touchdowns in week one. Yeah, but but if you can read the rest of his stats. Uh, for the season or no, just no, in just, week one? Just week four. Uh, week four, he had 19 carries for 92 yards, one rushing touchdown, and a reception for two yards. So, as with Wilson, best of the season. I think uh, Edward Solaire sort of had that one last gasp of fantasy value, and he could end up being a boomer bust player for the entire remainder of the season. The five touchdowns he scored over six games, two counted in week, uh, uh, in week four, um, and uh, three over, over the other five games. Oh, yeah, there was another receiving touchdown that week four. Uh, they've really propped up his total points. So, he's currently the RB12 overall in half PPR. And I don't think that he's a drop, certainly. Uh, but I was spot on about him being a hard sell early. In week five versus Las Vegas, he scored five points. In week six versus Buffalo, he scored 3.3. Uh, he's going to be a boomer bust player depending on those games uh, where uh, he's being utilized as a part of the offensive scheme. And like everyone else in Kansas City right now, uh, he's they're just going to be used occasionally. And, and Andy Reid is really uh, tossing things up in the air uh, he's calling games kind of like uh, um, uh, Family Guy uh, chooses the plots of, of their of, of their animation. Are you calling Andy Reid a manatee? I am doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it seems it seems obvious, but you show some respect for the walrus. You've heard it here first. You're using the wrong m- marine mammal, sir. It's similar to what other people have been saying about him, but they've gotten it a little bit wrong. It's a manatee. Okay. Anyway, we're not going to advise to start uh, CEH in this spot against the 49ers, who are giving up the fourth fewest points to opposing running backs this season. And we do advise that you just back away slowly from CEH. Uh, hopefully you did sell him uh, last week or the previous week or the week before, uh, you know, before he started putting up clunkers again. And you're going to see this all season long. If you end up starting CEH every week and he's just a weekly starter for you, you are not going to do well in fantasy. I agree. When you, players when players don't do well for a couple weeks in a row, when you see those trends, you have to get them out of your lineup. You get whatever proactive. value you can from them. We, we've always said that, like, yes, you can kind of look at what has happened, but that's not an indication necessarily of what will happen. Um, you can't react. You can't rely on too much old data to react on what you're going to do. You have to be uh, looking ahead and proactive. You have to maybe use smaller sample sizes. Yeah, so I, I think that's a that's a good a good way to look at it. Like when I when I go play golf, I'm not very good yet, right? I've only played for for a year and a half or something like that. And so what I like to do is actually play like three holes at a time, and that's how I look at it. So if I do really badly uh, for a couple of holes and I'm getting double bogeys or triple bogeys and I'm not doing well, mm-hmm. well, you can restart again. You got three more games, right? And that's oh. the way I look at guys on the fantasy roster too. So if he's not doing well and he hasn't for a while, you need to sell or drop that player. It doesn't matter what you think he might do in seven weeks. 
Because if you have a player on your team who's sitting on your bench who don't play for seven weeks, he's worthless. Yeah. Worthless. Yeah. So get something for him or, or you know. Uh, I'll drink to that. <laughs> whiskey for uh, for Alaire. Yeah, for the trade that you're about to make. <laughs> I'm about to make a trade. I don't know. Do you have Hilaire on any of your teams? No. Neither do I. Okay. I guess I it won't be him. it won't be us trading him. It though. won't be us. I know it's hard to say, like, uh, you've got this guy who's been not doing well but used to have value, so get rid of him at less value. But there is a point with some of these players where Cut the, your losses. their value is not gonna go back up. <laughs> right. Like you need to sell you need to sell him and like your his bye week's coming up, so try to trade him now so someone else can eat his bye week. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's all about who, who wants to eat the bye week. All right. My third player was wide receiver, as is yours. I picked Brandon Cooks as a guy who was trending. He was trending down at the time. His first three games were 11.7, 7.4, and 3.2. And it's because Davis Mills, as you said, he's an okay quarterback, but he is whelming at best. Yep. Um, not underwhelming, not overwhelming, certainly. So, uh, what I had thought was that maybe Cooks can break out a bit if the running game in Houston can, can get going. Uh, in week five, in week four, he was up against the Chargers. And I said, the Chargers are terrible against wide receivers, so he'll do well this game, and then he'll be bad again. He did well, and then he did poorly. Mm-hmm. I feel like this was a big hit for me. I, I really like kind of called this one. 15 points against the Chargers, week five against Jacksonville, only four points, and then he sat last week. Um, one of the things I looked at is that he caught seven of seven targets in week four which is an indication that he wasn't being challenged very much when it came to catching the ball. That, that, that you know, indicates that he played a soft defense. In the rest of his games, the other four games he's played, he only has a 48% catch rate, which is not good unless you're like one of the guys who's averaging 20 yards per catch and only catches deep balls. Cooks is not that guy. I, I certainly think there's a lot to do with Mills as well. You know, those balls that aren't exactly placed uh, sure, but in like, the best spots for We're for looking Cooks. at what kind of production he has from a fantasy standpoint. Is it Cooks' fault that he's doing this bad? Not 100%. I agree with you there. But this is what he's put up, is a 48% catch rate unless he's playing a terrible team. Mm-hmm. So we can't really rely on Cooks to be the guy every week. So, again, you need to you need to dump him. You've eaten the bye week on this guy already, so maybe you can use that as part of your selling point when you want to sell him. He's got other like not good matchups coming up, so you're not going to want to start him against in any of those either. Like he already had his cupcake matchup against the Chargers, and he got 15 points. That's his ceiling for this year, um, and and it's because the Texans aren't that great. He's not going to get the kind of volume that you want out of a wide receiver because he's just not catching the ball often enough, even though he's getting the targets. So I'm not uh, not sold on Cooks. I, I want to sell him, in fact. Well, so this is we could have a whole show about this, and this is the problem, right? When you don't sell someone at the point where they have their highest games and then you know that they're not going to do well, then what you have to do is wait until they have a good game again. And Brandon Cooks is certainly the kind of boomer bust receiver yep. that will have a 16-point game, and then you can, you can sell him then. But I, I wouldn't sell a Cooks now at a low value – I would say it's going to happen. Uh, you know, wait a week or two until he puts up uh, at least a serviceable amount. Sell him to a team that's uh, that's not rich in wide receivers, uh, and get all you can get. So they're playing Tennessee in Week Eight. Tennessee has a great run defense and a very bad pass defense. Well, there you go. Might have a good Perhaps game. Perhaps yeah. you can turn it around after that. But then you got you know you, he's got to sit on your bench for the next two weeks. Maybe you start him against Tennessee. 
I don't know. It's a tough call. <laughs> that is tough. Uh, and the last receiver that I have, and we went over six players, so we're going to do that again, the same guys. Later in the season, we'll pick some some new guys uh, to, to look at for trends. And we have to think about the, the fact that, folks, we're almost halfway through the fantasy season. And so at some point when we get to, like, week 10, uh, et cetera, we're going to be talking about... Uh, uh, the end of this week is the conclu- is halfway through the regular season. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about some some real moves that you have to start thinking about if you're desperate um, you know, you break uh, fantasy teams into like three categories: uh, teams that think that they are currently contenders that haven't come up against uh, a whole lot of uh, of offensive points, or on the other side, uh, have scored a ton versus the other teams, regardless of, of what they've done. You have the people in the middle, and there's always a lot of those uh, yeah. in most fantasy leagues. You got your 500 teams that are just <laughs> on the fringe, and then you have the teams right now that are 0 and 6. Uh, or they are uh, one and five, or even two and four, uh, and those teams have to go on a win streak uh, either now or in a couple weeks in order to have a chance uh, to make it in ten and twelve team leagues. In a, in a fourteen team, is league, it possible to make it if you're zero and six, Dave? Yeah, it, I've, I've done it before, sir. <laughs> yeah, I'm setting you up. There's no problem. All right. <laughs> It's, uh, you got this. I've certainly done that before, but it's difficult. Uh, and you have to sit there and make all sorts of moves. By the way, the league in which I went 0-6 last year and then ended up winning the league uh, this year uh, implemented new transaction rules where it's like $2 per transaction. Everything has gotten more expensive. Oh, it's great. There's inflation. In, there's inflation in fantasy football. I'm not sure if I like it or not. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, so my last guy to discuss is Justin Jefferson, of course, wide receiver for uh, Minnesota Vikings, and uh, he was playing New Orleans in Week Four. And the the question was, uh, he'd gone from scoring thirty four point nine points in Week One to seven point eight in Week Two to only two point nine points versus Detroit, and his receptions went down from nine to six to three. So why was that trend going so far down? What was going on with Kirk Cousins or the Minnesota Vikings uh, offense as a whole that was causing all of that? We talked through that for a little bit um, in Week Four. Uh, you know, this isn't our doing, but he had an excellent game, uh, scoring 26 points versus New Orleans. And week five versus Chicago, 24.32. And week six versus Miami, 13.7. So over 100 yards each game, 408 yards total over three games. Jefferson's been doing very well. When, when he played uh, the Saints, he actually had uh, one carry for three yards and a touchdown. And and, when, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, when he played the Bears, he threw a pass. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. As I, we, were, we were watching the game. I just did a double take on his points when I was writing like, it down. I'm like, I'm like, receivers don't get point three two in their points. Justin Jefferson to Delvin Cook. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> that was really fun to watch on TV for sure. Uh, but yeah, Saints, 10 of 13 targets. Uh, against the Bears, 12 of 13 targets. And then against the Vikings, uh, sorry, against the Dolphins, 6 of 8 targets for 107 yards. The The difference uh, between all those points uh, is really just the fact that over the last two weeks, uh, he didn't have uh, any touchdowns. But it, when you talk about the Bears game, he had a touchdown overturned, uh, which looked like it could have been a Justin Jefferson touchdown. Okay. So really, if we're talking about you know, actual fantasy terms, regardless of what the refs said, you know, opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he only uh, uh, missed out on, on a touchdown um, in this last game versus the Dolphins. 
And I'm pretty sure, I didn't watch that game specifically that I remember, but I'm pretty sure that the, the Vikings didn't really need to rely on Justin Jefferson to close out that game. Um, probably not. I mean, they were they won that game handily. Yeah, so that could be a reason why, um, why maybe they uh, didn't look to him more and only had eight targets. But he's been great. Um, I think what we were saying is that his downward trend is not going to last. Jefferson is clearly uh, one of, if not the best receivers in the game. He was drafted to be one of, if not the best receivers in the game, and he's currently playing at that level. And Kirk Cousins is is actually throwing a lot more than people thought he would uh, coming into this year because of the way that their offensive uh, scheme has changed. And even guys like Adam Thielen uh, and K.J. Hamler, I think is his name, have really gotten into – uh, the groove a little bit. And heck, when you got a guy like Justin Jefferson taking some of the best uh, defensive backs uh, off of off of you, then you're going to be left to your own devices sometimes out there in in, uh, in slants and stuff. So absolutely, it was uh, it was really nice. Yeah, Cousins has been playing very well this year. Um, you know, it's interesting to see that Minnesota is actually in first place by two games in the NFC North. Something I didn't expect to see from them. So um, now we've got a little special treat coming up. You want to introduce us to that? Introduce everybody to that? Sure. So I received this in the mail uh, from one of our listeners, and we Friend know of the show. We know him. Uh, maybe if I if I just received a random chocolate bar in the mail, perhaps I would think twice about eating it. I, I wouldn't be so eager to try it <laughs> if you didn't know the source. It was packaged. If we were told that it's coming. Yeah. So this is from a company called Pepper Joe's, and the chocolate bar. Is called the Raging Reaper chocolate bar. It's, the uh, Raging Reaper. It's, it's made from Carolina Reaper peppers, and it says these bars are violently hot, which certainly makes me and Jason want to try some right away. Uh, made with authentic Carolina Reaper peppers that holds the Guinness Book of World Records record for the world's hottest pepper with a Scoville rating of 1.5 million approximately Scoville heat units. It's uh. 300 calories, Jason, just so you know. So. Well, I'm not going to eat the entire chocolate bar, Dave. <laughs> that much I can promise you. So. Uh, Is there a golden ticket inside? No. Nope. It's just a fiery red ticket. and Okay. That's what we get. Fair so, enough. So I'm just going to break off a little bit here for you. Okay. And some for me. And we actually have uh, a bit of an audience tonight. And they're also going to try some if they are up for it. Okay. And, uh. We'll save the rest to make someone a s'more like oh, they've never had before. I hope somebody is listening to us on their <laughs> uh, headphones and could hear like the wrapper crinkling. And um, do you like that? No, I fucking hate it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All, right. All right, sorry, buddy. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, we each have a couple of of hot takes, right? And the idea of these are just are there, like, um, bits of pepper throughout. No. <laughs> uh, well, make sure you wash your hands if you're handling them. Uh, it's probably the same as like handling a pepper because I bet they're uh... okay. I won't touch my eyes or any other <laughs> sensitive parts. Very good. I've tried. I've done that before. It was a problem. I was I was making uh, meat skewers with habaneros, just regular habaneros, right on there, and uh, I had to excuse myself, and then I had to excuse myself from excusing myself. Oh, a lot of excusing going. Excuse on. me. That's an excuse right there. Yes. Okay. So, uh, hot takes, uh, and these are going to be, uh, of course, things that, that you believe that not everybody does, maybe the majority of people don't, and we can back them up just a little bit, uh, and we'll see if, uh, if we're able to get through them, 
and if we're unable to 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 get past this this part of the show, then we're just going to have to end it, folks. Uh, so for those of you listening right now uh, in in podcast world, um, cheers to you. Oh, and those of you watching on YouTube land, let's do this. Eat the whole thing, my friend. Oh, I'm going to slow down on that. Yeah, now you won't ever eat it. That's fucking hot. Okay. Oh, that is hot. You want to go first, Dave? How much did you get over there? I've eaten a third of it so far. All right. I can go first. So my first hot take, and this is very hot, extremely hot take. So thank you, Glenn. We we definitely appreciate you <sighs> sending this in the mail. Oh, God. <laughs> Matt Ryan finishes the year as a, as a top 12... Quarterback. <laughs> You've broken Dave Glenn. Oh no. What's happening? And he's very consistent as a as a starter in redraft leagues over the second half of the year. <laughs> Why is it making his hiccup? You got Colts receivers Pittman and Alec Pierce, the rookie. The offensive line has been holding him back a little bit for poor with poor performances. And Ryan's still gutting it out, even when being put in bad situations, which is always a good look for the quarterback. I think with the return Return of Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Oh my God. And the fact that uh, last year the Indianapolis Colts were the the seventh overall fantasy defense, we're going to see them. We're going to see them come back up a little bit at the end of this this year. So I think he'll finish the year as a top twelve quarterback, and that's my hot take. Uh, there's, uh, there's only one good tight end. Woo! The p- position. Oh my God. My mouth isn't working. We're getting there. <sighs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> Just bring water. Yeah. There's only one good tight end. That position should go away. <sighs> Just like kicker and defense should. This is <sighs> your take? <sighs> As you say, the fantasy league should no longer have a kicker, a defense, or a tight end. Okay, maybe there's two good tight ends. Fine. But there's a huge bunch of guys who are lucky to average 10 points a game. Including one running back. Oh, thank you. Water's probably not going to help, but we are just dying here, folks. I just need temporary relief. Why did we hiccup a bunch right after we ate it? We both did it. It made no sense. Straight to the lungs. Straight to the lungs. My eyes are watering. So there is one running back masquerading as a tight end. Thank you, Pepper Joe. It fucking hurts. Thank you, Pepper Joe. It's hard to tell what he's masquerading as. So, some sort of standardized progressive scoring for uh, tight ends would go a long way. But replacing the tight end <coughs> slot with a flex position is probably my answer to start. Kicker and defense can go to the way of the dodo. I don't care. Woo! I don't care for those positions. Dave, go. Uh, this is very hot, Jay. I know. I fucking ate some. You're like, eat it all. And I'm like, I didn't you're lucky it. I didn't. I didn't stop there. Mm. Okay, Taylor Heineke starting in place of the injured Carson Wentz. Over the next several weeks, we'll return Terry McLaurin to an every week starter rather than a flex position. I think they have a lot more chemistry together. <clears throat> they played fairly well <clears throat> during a portion of the season last year when Heineke was the main quarterback. Now our eyes are watering. And of course they've been doing lots of practice this year. Wentz doesn't seem to favor McLaurin in the passing game. 
that I think that Terry McLaurin will return to a guy scoring 12-plus points per game with Heineke under center. Ken Walker is going to be a top five running back. He's only just getting started. He's averaging 5.5 yards per carry. He has only one game with double-digit touches so far. He hasn't even hit 100 yards yet, and Geno Smith is playing so well, he won't have a lot of stack boxes. It hurts. Mm. Like, if I keep my mouth closed, it doesn't hurt. But the more I talk, the hotter it gets. My last hot take is that Allen Robinson will finally start doing consistently well after the bye week. This is a very hot take, by the way. And will be a depth piece difference maker for teams later this season. <clears throat> Especially through the rest of the bye weeks. Uh, Are you done? Okay. No. <laughs> so even though... <clears throat> this is way hotter than the wing we had. It definitely is. So even though I suggested in a previous show, weeks back, that you should dump Robinson... <clears throat> And I don't think that advice was wrong, necessarily. <clears throat> if he's available, I would pick him up now <clears throat> to be a great bye week fill-in now that he seems like he's having better chemistry <clears throat> with Stafford. All right, I got this. <sighs> Brees Hall will be the third best rookie running back behind Pearson Walker. He's currently the RB6 in the year, but, oh my God, it hurts so much to talk. <laughs> Whew. Thank you, Glenn. Shout out to Glenn. Oh, Glenn has ruined the end of the show. <laughs> Thank you, Glenn. Congratulations. Holy cow. Hall is currently the RB6, but he has a slew of upcoming opponents who are among the best when it comes up to giving up points to opposing running backs. <clears throat> Maybe they don't give up a lot of points. Walker and Pierce are also in a better position than Hall to completely dominate carries on their respective teams. Um, after all... Hall does have a little bit of a touchdown vulture behind him. Whew. I think all three will be good. Yep. But Hall won't keep up with this early <sighs> burst. <sighs> oh. This has been great. Those are the hottest takes I've ever had. How about you? The hottest take is that you don't need to watch football all day on Sunday to fa follow fantasy football. <clears throat> no, but it helps. Oh, it, it helps. It helps a lot. Just like some ice cream might help me right now. Uh, let's end the show and go get some ice cream. All right, cheers, guys. We love you. Oh, Ooh, thanks for the ice cream. Yeah, ice cream on the show. He, this could be the best ice cream of all time. Oh, it's like a fire extinguisher in my mouth. <laughs> mm. I apologize for speaking with food in my mouth on the podcast. That's probably oh. not great to hear right in your ears. But I want to thank everyone for joining us this week. I don't want to talk anymore tonight, so please just join us next week. Hit that bell. <sighs> Subscribe to us. Drink Follow us on Twitter. Drink five, everybody. Drink five. And probably don't eat any of those things. Oh, God, no. Oh, woo. We need to package that in hazmat. Hazardous materials. 